Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie, and I'm here to give you an honest, real, and even funny outlook on living with cancer. There is no one way to do cancer, and I've decided to share my story to help and inspire others, as well as raise awareness. At age 43, I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer known as hobnail in February 2022, having never had any health issues previously. I was fit and well and took pretty good care of myself. But despite that, I got a diagnosis and I am on a long-term treatment plan. On this podcast, I will be sharing my progress regularly. And I often speak to amazing guests who've been impacted by cancer in some way. I really hope you enjoy listening. And if you do, then please rate, review, follow and recommend the pod. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? I know I said this last time I spoke solo, but guess what? I'm still tired. It's rough, man. It's really, really rough. It's like nothing I've known, really. It's like everything is an effort. Now, what's confusing for me is why this is happening. And there could be so many different reasons why. It could be, obviously, the treatments causing the tiredness. It could be that my thyroxine is not kind of the right amount, and that's causing tiredness. But one thing I'm feeling probably is, is some kind of menopausal symptoms that I'm getting at the moment. So obviously what I'm not sure about is, is the treatment bringing on menopausal symptoms? So I'm getting these like insane hot flushes where it's just like a rush of heat. Only lasts probably a minute, but it is intense. And I have loads of them throughout the day and at night. And then I feel like the tiredness is related to the menopausal stuff. So it's really funny because it's like, I would say for a couple of years now, I feel like I've been bombarded with conversations about menopause and I've kind of gone, oh God, yeah, all right, going on about that. But it's real. (laughs) Now that I'm in it, I totally get it. It's really, really difficult and it's really quite debilitating. So I think what I'm trying to get my head around is, okay, I understand that this is about my estrogen levels, like a surge in estrogen. I think that's what it is. Or maybe it's a drop in estrogen. But if that's the case, like there must be something I can do that can help with those feelings. So obviously, like cooling down, taking a fan, like getting cold showers and stuff like that. But what is it that I can change in my diet? What is it that I can look at in my supplement plan? Like, is my acupuncturist able to do something in the way that she treats me to help with this stuff? Again, it's all part of how... I approach my cancer care and my health with an integrative approach, an integrative mindset. So that's definitely something that's like top subject for me that I am going to be looking into and that I am really thinking about at the moment. Yeah, it's tough, man. I can't really carry on feeling like this all the time. You know, a couple of months back when I was desperately looking for answers around like why the treatment had stopped, what I could do about that, what I could start taking. It's find myself in that same mindset of like searching anywhere that I can to get help. (laughs) It's really hard actually. And um, it's really easy to feel helpless 
to feel like you, you literally don't know where to look. On that, what I'm going to do kind of unusually, considering I normally wait till the end of the episode to do this, but I thought, look, while I'm on the subject, I'm going to play out my voice with cancer this week because it's totally relevant to what I'm talking about. So here goes. Hey, my name is Danny Binnington. I want to share a little bit of my story with you and also my passion and my mission. If you're listening to this and you've been diagnosed with any type of cancer, you might have had chemotherapy, you might have had radiotherapy, maybe radiotherapy to your pelvis area, you might have had surgery, or you might be on an anti-endocrine treatment to keep your cancer at bay. All of those interventions can push you into menopause, Often this happens way before the time that you'd naturally arrive into menopause. For me, it happened through surgery. That was five years after my initial cancer diagnosis. I was 33 when I found my lump. I had three very young children and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Five years down the line, I removed my ovaries because I'm also a BRCA1 carrier and I wanted to reduce my risks of ovarian cancer. With so many women in our family die from ovarian cancer early, I knew for me personally, it was the right decision to let go of my ovaries. I also knew by then that it was going to be a tough gig managing surgically onset menopause at the age of 39. Today, I run the not-for-profit Menopause and Cancer, and we support all of the women that have had a cancer diagnosis who are finding themselves in the menopause model. Many women say to me that navigating their menopause after cancer feels harder than chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery altogether. And it is my mission to help change this. So many women end up in our communities, in our chat groups, in our Facebook group, in our workshops that we run in collaboration with lots of other charities and say, gosh, Danny, I didn't think I had options. No one talked me through my options. And if you take anything away from this conversation, then I want you to know that you have so many options too. They range from medical treatments that are hormonal or non-hormonal, plenty of non-hormonal medical treatments. So much you can do with your exercise, your diet, your lifestyle with avoiding triggers so many boxes toolboxes that you can tap into with complementary therapies take anything away from my conversation today and it's you have options too and you're not alone love that oh it's true so basically that gives real reassurance about having options and you know being able to support yourself and feeling I guess like you can take some control over your health and whatever it is you're going through and experiencing so Danny well done for finding that gap and filling it with something that is really worthwhile and helping so many women it's really fantastic I'm trying to think where I left off. I've talked about my training with Sean, which continues. And what's been great about that is like, even though I've been feeling tired, I've managed to show up and I've kind of said to him, look, just so you know, like feeling tired, not sure I can handle it. And we just go slow and it's totally manageable. And I always, always feel good for doing it. So that's really great. The other thing I feel is <sighs> I'm really intrigued to know, obviously, what's going on with the treatment. It's coming up for my two-month scan and I'm so confident that it's working I know it's working for loads of reasons I'm not coughing you know and I'm also there were lumps and bumps that I could feel like around my collarbone and around my neck and I can't feel them at all which is amazing and so you know those to me are, are real indications that it's working and that gives me a real insight and real confidence that the scan will reflect that. But 
what I know, because what's happened before, is that, you know, sometimes these treatments work in a way where, like, they can be effective in some places and not in others and shrink certain bits of cancer and then, like, not shrink other bits or even have other bit progress. So even though I feel like it's working and I'm really confident it is, it still is an unknown. And so, you know, I know with me when I'm gearing up for a scan, like there are these kind of underlying levels of anxiety that I feel. And, you know, maybe that's also part of like what this exhaustion is about, just being on this sort of, I don't know, this cancer journey is exhausting. It's funny, I've said on here before, like I don't think I'll ever get used to it, having cancer that is. But it struck me when I was out with friends the other evening how I didn't think about having cancer. Like, I came home for a really nice evening, totally chilled, just got a takeout. And I went to bed thinking, you know what? I didn't really think about the fact that I've got cancer and it's not really something that came up in conversation. And maybe this is like just normalising living with cancer. And like a lot of people have said, nowadays, you know, you can live with cancer like a chronic illness. So I have to have treatment for it. Um, and I have to, you know, keep things in check. But essentially, I am living like a pretty normal life. And I think that is something, again, it's kind of a myth that people don't really understand or realise that you can live with cancer. You can have a fairly normal life living with cancer. And, you know, you can kind of navigate that in a way that brings hope, meaning, depth. I definitely find myself not worrying about the little things like I used to, not letting little things upset me or affect me or anger me or provoke me. Because it's just like, really? I think, like, definitely life's too short to take that on. So... People have talked a lot on here and to me personally about the gift of having cancer, the meaning behind having, having cancer, all the things that have gone on in their life because of the cancer and how they wouldn't change that. And, you know, there have been times where I've had those conversations and felt absolutely gobsmacked. Like, how can someone be so certain that they wouldn't change their cancer diagnosis and cancer experience? Like, wow, what an amazing place to be. But I do find myself at a place where like, I can't really imagine not having cancer. It's a really strange thing. And it's not to say that, like, I don't remember life before cancer. Of course I do. And it's not to say that, like, there's still so much trauma from getting that diagnosis. And there's still many, many moments where I really can't believe it is happening to me. But I guess there's also something about being in that space and being in that world and it is quite a big part of my life now. I think it's really, really difficult being in a community where people are struggling and people are really suffering and people are imminently facing death and dying and talking about that and talking openly about that. And I don't think that that kind of deep-rooted fear and stress around those things ever really goes away I guess it is something like I say you do kind of get used to and you know I feel at the moment like I'm still seeing my death doula Jenny I suppose I kind of feel like it's just really good practice to like have that conversation and 
to be able to check in with her about where I'm at on the scale of thinking about death and dying. You know, what are the practical things that I still need to do? Like I've only just got my will in place and I'm, well, I'm still in that process, but it feels like really grown up and it feels like, wow, you know, I can't believe I've waited till this long for this stage in my life to kind of think about writing a will and think about practical things to do with death and dying. I know I find myself saying to other people, like kind of giving advice, them probably thinking in the same, being in the same headspace that I was in, like prior to my diagnosis, like really, why do I need to think about those things? Like I'm fit, I'm well, I'm healthy, like, but it is something that we all need to think about. It is something that we all need to accept is our fate and is going to happen to us. And it's funny how we go about life and we live in a culture and we live in a society where we don't want to acknowledge that, you know, and we don't want to think about that. Whatever stage we're at in our life, I think like there's also this myth that like if you get a diagnosis later in your life, well, you're closer to the end of your life. So, you know, you're kind of expecting something. But actually what I see and what I've experienced firsthand is, you know, you can have a diagnosis 80 years old and really not in any way have been prepared for that. I'm not saying that people at 80 should expect to get cancer diagnosis, but I'm surprised that people later in life haven't thought about death haven't thought about dying. And I think actually like the healthy approach to death and dying is to always think about that or to have been through a mindset of considering it and thinking about it and talking about it and engaging with it. You know, there are death cafes out there happening. Obviously, I've talked a lot about death doulas and really contemplating over it on a personal level. Like, what is it for you? What does it mean for you? Not a religious aspect or connotations that you've seen or heard, but like genuinely, what does it mean for you on a personal level? And again, there's really great resources out there. Dr. Catherine Mannix is someone who's written about death and dying. And she tries to share her experiences as a palliative nurse to dispel the myth that like the act of death something to be afraid of. In fact, what she talks about is it's like, in her experience, for the most part, it's a very peaceful act. And I think when she talks about that, it's very reassuring and it's really good information that she's sharing and sharing, you know, how people actually like take their last breath, how they actually do die and what happens, what happens to the body. It's definitely worth informing and educating yourself on because it becomes less scary for sure so yeah I would really recommend kind of exploring that a little bit more and take it from me like I do believe that the more you explore the less scary it is so hopefully that's helpful advice for all of you so yeah so I've got that scan and I've got obviously those results coming up and I will be very interested and intrigued to see how that's going. In other news, I've mentioned on here some of the live events that I've got coming up, and I'm very excited to be interviewing Lauren Mann. She was one of the hosts of You, Me and the Big C, and a huge campaigner for cancer patients following her diagnosis seven years ago when she was aged 31. So I can't wait to speak to her and I can't wait to share that episode with you. And I also can't wait to do that recording in front of an audience. That's going to be super exciting. Of course, I'm nervous about that because it's very different talking into a microphone and looking at a screen to sitting 
you know, on a stage, basically faced with an audience. So um, I think if it goes well and if I enjoy it, I would definitely love to do more. And if I fall flat on my face, then huge apologies to everyone that came and huge apologies to Lauren. And I'll just go back to Zoom interviews <laughs> and learn my lesson from that. But hey, you know, I've got to try it. So um, yeah, I'm very excited about doing that. And then I'm also doing another event, which is a myth-busting workshop. So all the myths about cancer and then I will be busting those myths based on my own personal experience, not based on anything that I know from kind of scientific viewpoint or, you know, obviously I'm not going to be sharing those, my own experiences from a, a medical point of view, but just how I personally thought cancer was versus how it actually was in reality. I'm going to be taking part, leading that um, myth-busting workshop. Again, it's at Soho House, so any Soho House members can book that. It's in October, but I'm going to be recording it as well. So I'm going to play that out as an episode. It's sort of a special kind of one-off, so I hope you enjoy that too. Once again, it's kind of short and sweet, but I suppose that is a reflection on my life with cancer. And... Um, how much kind of, I don't know, how much briefer it is at the moment. So yeah, thank you for being here and tuning in and returning. And by the way, I've said this before, but if you would like to share your cancer story, anything related to cancer, I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to play you out as a voice note with my Voices with Cancer feature, which happens every other week like it has this week when I record an episode solo. So drop me an email to hello at talkingwithcancer.com. That's hello at talkingwithcancer.com. And I really look forward to hearing from you. Take care, guys, and I'll see you next week. 